It's your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. Good show today. Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune joins me in a little bit. It's Dobbs Mania. Joshua Dobbs Mania. We got to get to the film review of how he played on Sunday. His first start for the Vikings. 27-19 win over the Saints looked awfully good, especially in that first half, making plays with his arm, making plays with his legs. And Andrew and I will kind of take a look at what the Vikings did to design things in his favor, to, to kind of work in Joshua Dobbs' favor, to play to his strengths, as it were, because he's a much different quarterback, obviously, than Kirk Cousins. Gives them a different look back there, especially with his ability to make plays with his legs. So Andrew and I will get into that, as well as the continued ascent of the Vikings' defense and everything Brian Flores is doing and continued to do against the Saints. Keith Rashad will join me for Vikings poetry here in just a little bit for beautiful Vikus, if you will, um, haikus in Vikings form, to kind of properly frame what is going on here. Five game winning streak. I still, I still don't believe that. I still, I just still don't understand how they have done this all without Justin Jefferson. Um, two of these games now without Kirk Cousins. They were one and four, and had just lost their best player for you know several weeks at least. They knew they knew while they were one and four that Jefferson was going on injured reserve, and we were all talking about, hey, let's trade everybody, trade Daniel Hunter, tank the rest of the season, you know, win three or four games, and get yourself your high draft pick, your quarterback. And they were like, nope, nope, nope. We're gonna keep winning. And we're not going to stop winning. We're going to listen to Creed, and we're just going to win these football games, and there's nothing you guys can do about it. And you know what? It's turned the season into something interesting, something fun. I I do still wonder what their long-term plan at quarterback is going to be and how this is all going to sort itself out. But in terms of team building, roster building, um, kind of making the necessary connections to feel like this is a uh, this is a team with some some potential going forward. Um, they've certainly done that this year. Kevin O'Connell a masterful coaching job. Brian Flores a masterful masterful coaching job. So we'll get into all that here in just a little bit. Have a Wolves wild thought at the end of the show as well. First though, what I miss, man, it's been a tough week for PJ Fleck. Been a tough few weeks for PJ Fleck, I should say. Um, what a weird year, right? Like I didn't quite. I didn't know what to make of this team coming into the season, this Gophers football team, just because they had lost a fair amount of talent from last year's team. You looked at the schedule and you said, uh-oh, Michigan on the schedule, Ohio State on the schedule. But then you looked at the rest of it and you're like, okay, they can still maybe compete all the national kind of analysts were saying seven wins, maybe eight wins uh, overall kind of a drop from 9 but I was I came into I came into the year saying this was a this was an important year they needed to be at least good this year to kind of keep the momentum going from you know what they'd built in the last 3 or 4 years and what they've been built in the last 3 or 4 years again against a lot of soft Big 10 schedules especially the last 2 years before this but really not to take anything away from it you you can only play who's on your schedule they have been quite good in that regard because they've had 9 wins 9 wins and 11 wins in their last three full seasons. So this is not a P.J. Fleck bashing session. This is not a fire P.J. Fleck. That's not going to happen. He's, he's had one real down year now in the midst of all this. Um, that said, this year is troubling. This year is 
this year is not keeping the not keeping the momentum going in any way, shape, or form. You know, it's it's been fits and starts. Even when they've won, they haven't looked great, and when they've lost, they've looked really bad. And now they're getting it from all sides. Um, Jim Suhan, Star Tribune columnist, took them to task and specifically took Fleck to task with a column in Tuesday's Star Tribune, writing. Flex buzzwords have not kept the 2023 Gophers from collapsing. They fell apart in the second half against a bad Northwestern team, were embarrassed by Michigan, imploded in the fourth quarter against a bad Illinois team, and were pounded by a bad Purdue team. Fleck has made this program all about him. His players have been asked to stand when he enters a room and are left to parrot his cliches from training camp to post-game interviews. Those post-game interview sessions have prompted questions toward the coach about the direction of his backsliding program. Maybe Fleck could learn from some of his Minnesota peers and treat his players more like equals and less like indentured servants and comport himself more like an employee than a king. Getting it from all sides. Because I was thinking, man, like what, what a weird year. What a weird time for the Gophers. Give up 49 points to Purdue, over 600 yards to Purdue the other day. Have the temerity to pin at least a significant amount of it on depth at linebacker. And I get it. You know, you, this is college, not the pros. You don't have all the players in the world ready to ready to go. It's not always next player up, next man up. If there's a difference, there's a big difference between, you know, players with, you know, five years, five years of experience and barely any experience. I get that. I understand that. But that is not enough to explain 600 yards and 49 points and especially stood in contrast to the Vikings on Sunday when the Vikings were, you know, winning without their starting quarterback, winning without two of their top top receivers, winning without a lot of the depth that they had come to enjoy for much of the year. A lot of the starters, I should say, winning with the depth they have now come to enjoy. Um, no Jefferson, no Cousins, um, no KJ Osborne. They lost Alexander Madison during the game. Like they've had injuries left and right, and they have just kept on rolling through the schedule with a five-game winning streak. So the Gophers in a weird spot, right? Five and five. 27 and a half point underdogs going into Ohio State this weekend. That's a name your score game. That's, you know, that is what it is. You'd like them to be closer to Ohio State at this point in their journey, but that is what it is. Now, the last game of the year will be against Wisconsin. That will likely be for bowl eligibility. That will likely be for bragging rights, all this stuff. They could win that game, have beaten Nebraska, Iowa, and Wisconsin this season, and it will still feel like a down bad year what what a weird year what a weird year that would be if they do indeed beat wisconsin in that finale and i'm not saying they will but wisconsin definitely gettable they are not a good team this season they just got beat by northwestern as well so we'll see where it all ends up where it is right now is not good pj fleck getting it from all sides and there's not a whole lot he can do to save things right now grand casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan the passion the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Let's review the film with Vikings writer Andrew Kramer on today's show. Interesting things to look at this week in the first start for Josh Dobbs, um, Andrew, and just some new wrinkles in the offense. And of course, you know, 
why wouldn't this be the one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, right? 5-0 and without Justin Jefferson, 2-0 and without Kirk Cousins. The train just keeps moving next man up, but really, it's only next man up if the guys who are coming in can do the job and if the coaches are putting him in that in that kind of position. Yeah, this was a great game for Quayce Adolfo Mensa. Certainly looking down at it and seeing his acquisition this year, Josh Dobbs midseason throwing to last year's midseason acquisition, TJ Hawkinson for a record 10 catches, 125 yards. And um, the amazing thing is, is that they're doing this with Dobbs scrambling, moving around, buying time, doing uh, and looking like they've practiced together much longer. And, and oh, Kevin O'Connell said after the game, he was asked, what is more impressive? You know, Josh doing what he did this week with a full week of preparation, but also a defense that's ready for him versus what he did in Atlanta. And Kevin O'Connell said, uh, no question, Atlanta was far more impressive. But what you're seeing them do here in this game and what you saw them do against the Saints is scramble around and TJ sitting in a hole in his own and and Dobbs knows where to look for him and find him on a critical third down conversion like they did in the first half. Those are the kind of things you see, you know, quarterback, tight end, wide receiver combos that practice together far longer than these two guys have. And I know they've done some workout um, to privately right. in Nashville, but that's like one off, two off kind of things in the summer. This is not what we're talking about in terms of building a true rapport. So that is incredibly impressive that they're looking like it's on schedule. They're looking like it's comfortable and rhythm with a guy that still, again, just showed up two weeks ago. Um, And that's a credit to Josh Dobbs. It's a credit to Kevin O'Connell for adjusting the game plans, the offense to him in some ways um, to get more out of that running ability that that we'll talk about. Um, Yeah, it's just been amazing. I think at one point Dobbs started that game 18 for 22. Just incredible. Uh, two through the air. Yeah, I want to get into some of the specifics. I want to get into the O'Connell talking about Dobbs after the game. And obviously, like, you know, you're going to be happy after a win, happy, happy after the first half, especially that Dobbs played and, you know, got conservative a little bit in the second half. But here's Kevin O'Connell talking about Dobbs and his mobility and kind of what that means. And like, I was definitely interested in seeing what a mobile quarterback might do for this offense. It sounds like Kevin O'Connell is intrigued too. Let's listen to this. You know, you can start to feel like, hey, I can call anything on this call sheet, but then, uh, you know, I want to be smart. I want to be making sure that the calls uh, reflect, you know, my intentions of, of trying to attack certain looks. And then when Josh makes a play, it's, it's a huge, huge bonus. And um, what I love is just, you know, how all of our guys, you know, are finishing those plays. You see, uh, when he finds TJ on that scramble, who'd you see down there barreling, barreling through the pile? Probably Dalton Reisner, if I if my memory serves me right. So our guys are, you know, they understand now it's whistle to whistle, and uh, we might be playing uh, through the echo of it a little bit more on unique things that maybe we didn't before uh, when we were, you know, you know, not that we didn't have mobility at the position, but. I mean, Kirk was playing as well as anybody in this league, uh, you know, really ripping apart coverage and attacking things and, and kind of running everything. Uh, Josh in two starts has kind of shown us uh, what mobility, you know, in addition to what we do offensively can do for us um, in this tough time where we're trying to overcome the loss of, of a guy like Kirk. Okay, Andrew, what do you make of that? Obviously, we're not throwing Kirk Cousins under the bus or anything like that, but it sounds like this is probably kind of fun for O'Connell to have something different to kind of have to work through, right? 
Yeah, it was it was right away too in a critical third down in that game of his first start. They go to the read option in the first half, and that's designed. That's that's the coaches sitting back throughout the week and saying this guy is incredibly mobile. We just saw it in in Atlanta. How can we leverage that to our advantage? And when they can't run the ball on third and three for a first down, well, why not fake it to the running back and have the quarterback? Um, run it. And that affects much more than just the running game. It affects the passing game. It affects everything. And O'Connell and the Vikings are seeing this. And I think coaches coaches are schematic, right? And especially West Coast offense coaches. And it's a specific type. And not to get too far down the road, but these guys generally have a system and they understand the skill sets needed to get the most out of it. And O'Connell has probably dreamed about what Anthony Richardson would have looked like in this Vikings offense and how they can use the mobility. It's entirely different to see it in action, see it through their passing plays, their play action plays, their rollout, seeing him scramble, seeing how he affects the route patterns and how receivers react to him. Um, they they didn't have that in L.A. with Matthew Stafford. Right. While he's somewhat mobile. It's not that. Certainly at that age, O'Connell didn't have that when he was in Washington necessarily with the quarterbacks he had there post Robert Griffin. So this was something that I think they're they're learning now. And O'Connell said that in that quote that we're seeing what mobility can do in addition to what our scheme does. Um, and that's something that Kirk Cousins just never offered. And I, I asked T.J. Hawkinson after the game. How much are you guys practicing the scramble drill now? Because before and then yeah. now, post Josh Dobbs, and he just laughed. And all he would say is, you know, it's an emphasis now. Um, so they're they're adjusting the way they practice. They're adjusting the the plays themselves. Um, this is a collective effort that is uh, incredibly impressive. So let's get into some specifics of what they did. You mentioned the read option. Um, they did the direct snap to Ty Chandler for the goal line touchdown. I think that was their first touchdown of the game. Um, they tried Dobbs on like a, a fake and then a keeper to kind of ice the game. He slips. He doesn't get the first down. But that was like a lot of key situations. They're not just like saying, hey, if it's not there, try to go make a play with your legs. They're designing stuff like right off the bat and like, I like this about O'Connell. Like they're trying things that they obviously haven't practiced that much. Like they said, they just put in that direct snap to Chandler like this week. Like if they think it can work and they feel like they've got it practiced enough, they'll just go ahead and try it. Yeah, and entering that game, I had asked um, offensive coordinator Wes Phillips during his media availability, would you consider running Dobbs in a read option or something? And he laughed and said, you never know, we might do it, but we want to keep him upright. And I think in a world where the Vikings have a good running game, like let's say it's Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison running like it's 2019 again. um, I don't know if they're doing this. I don't know if they are putting Josh Dobbs in that line of fire because... This is the last guy they've got now at quarterback. They've already lost their starter. So I think this is a necessity thing. I think this realized, they realized they have to because they don't have a good running game. Uh, and it, they only did it, as you mentioned, those couple, two or three times. Uh, it really wasn't that often. But it's one of those things in his back pocket, Kevin O'Connell's as a play caller, that he's going to pull out in some key moments, like that that late game scenario you mentioned where he falls down, um, the early third down where you then make the defense think about it the rest of the game. Um, and Garrett Bradbury too, he, he said something after the game that about Josh's mobility that really stood out. He said, it's not just the design runs when he scrambles the way he does, it affects a defense pass rush. They can't just tee off on a guy who they think is going to be a stationary target. He said, the saints like to do a lot of twists and stunts that I didn't, he didn't say this, but truthfully, the Vikings do struggle with these, uh, when defenses, you know, start moving their linemen around and, and knifing through one way and the other. 
Um, he said the Saints couldn't do that because they had to account for the rush lanes and try to keep Josh in the pocket. They started spying him with a linebacker, so they weren't blitzing as much. This contributed to him being sacked just once in that game. And, and Garrett said that was the one time the Saints really all out blitzed us. Yeah. Um, so the Josh's mobility is affecting uh, so many things about this offense that's kind of helping them stay on schedule. And then add to the fact that they are just playing better. There weren't as many drop passes. There weren't as many uh, penalties. No, uh, really, no operational penalties. Again, um, the guys around the quarterback are playing better than they were at times, as we've talked about with Kirk earlier in the season. So you put all that together, and you get a team that blows them out, uh, blows the Saints out in the first half. Yeah, and that feels like it's almost like the backup goalie scenario where the team ha- the team knows like, hey, they just brought in someone new. Uh, maybe this isn't the starter. We have to be. We have to be even that much better because this guy isn't going to be there to kind of save the day. And maybe there's some of that going on too. But to, to your point about Dobbs, he seems to have a pretty good feel for not just like running and escaping, but like sliding, moving, like a you know knowing kind of a good feel for the rush. And that's I don't know if that's something that you can necessarily be taught. But he, he kind of seems like he's got a good kind of understanding or feel of like starting to get a little hot over here. I got to slide this way. Okay. Now it's really getting, I got to you know spin out and go this way, see if I can make a play, you know, and, and does a pretty good job of not just taking off, but like that play to Hawkinson where, you know, he, he starts to run, but sees Hawkinson open, converts that play and, you know, does, you know, does it with his feet to get out of trouble, but still throws the ball. There's, there's some, there's some good things that he does, well, you know, just breaking breaking out of pressure when he's not even necessarily running. Yeah, he's been doing this for some time too. He, he's been doing this since Pop Warner, uh, north and in, in the suburb north of Atlanta. He grew up and he was a running back to start uh, his football career before he moved to quarterback. And and at Tennessee, his breakout game in two thousand, I think it would have been fourteen uh, when he took over for Nathan Peterman of all people. Oh wow, at Tennessee. Um, at South Carolina against Steve Spurrier, he ended up having like 200, 300 yards rushing somewhere in there on top of 150 yards passing. Like this guy's always leaned on his legs. He's always been incredibly mobile. He's always caught people by surprise because he doesn't look like, you know, you don't yeah. always see the the big kind of highlight runs that, that you see from some other incredibly mobile quarterbacks, but he's also hard to bring down. He's big. He's, he's um, got the short area burst too that gets away from people. You don't see too many quarterbacks gain distance in between defenders the way he does. Um, It's funny because it's just easy to forget because we've never seen it uh, at the NFL level outside of a little bit at Arizona um, the the first half of this season uh, because he didn't play. He didn't play for his first six, seven years in the NFL. So we have not been exposed to Josh Dobbs as NFL fans and and observers. And you you talk to people in his past and they say, "This this is who he is. He's always done this kind of stuff. Yeah. And you did a big piece on him for Sunday's paper. And, you know, you you probably we all wrote about him this week. He's the big story, and you're kind of wondering, like, ah, man, is this going to be like a, a flash in the pan, though, the one week story, and the next thing you know, it's you know he comes crashing down to earth. And I think there was some element of concern about that. Now that he's done it for a second week, it was his first start, but really second week of playing most of the snaps, and there was a week where he prepared a team where the a defense a week where a defense prepared for him. Does it feel? not like completely sustainable, but feel like it's, it's slightly, we, we know what his strengths are more. Now we, we've seen another 60 minutes feels like he's not going to be perfect, but you see what he can do the rest of the year. If it's him. 
Yeah, and, and you've got confidence that the Vikings are going to adjust what they do week to week to fit him. And uh, I think they're going to struggle when they face defenses that tackle better and keep up with mobile quarterbacks better. There, there were some plays like his rushing touchdown is just incredible. Like you just you don't see those kind of plays too often. But I guess the Saints do struggle with mobile quarterbacks. I guess this is not the first time this year that they've had a quarterback run on them. Dennis Allen talked about that, the head coach, after the game and saying that we had trouble containing the quarterback again. So I think you're going to see better mat defenses match up with him. I don't know if necessarily that's Denver or Las Vegas coming up or Chicago even, but um, when you get to face better teams uh, in December and January, it's maybe not always going to look that yeah. fluid. And frankly, the passing game was just clicking. Everything was, you know, outside of, I think Madison might've dropped a pass there one time, but there really wasn't much wrong um, with that, that passing game too. That's not always going to look like that. So I do think it's going to, we're due for some regression. The Vikings are at some point. Um, and I do think that there were some matchup um, advantages that the Vikings had in terms of his scrambling ability. Um, but what you have to take out of this is that Josh Dobbs is playing with absolute confidence in rhythm from having started every game to start the year with Arizona. And then this coaching staff is clearly willing to try new things in November with Ty Chandler, with Josh Dobbs. So um, that's got to give you confidence as a Vikings fan, certainly. Let's talk a little bit more about Chandler before we move to the defense. He gets a lot of opportunities and you know certainly a lot more as the game wore on because Madison goes out with a concussion but even before that there was you know he, he came on for a series he had a burst like right away where he had like 10 or 11 yards on a run he had that direct snap touchdown he had another touchdown called back that was a nice run um, they, they got O'Neal for holding on a play that really would have put the game away probably but um, seems like they've got something there I also saw that he was maybe not always lined up in the right place. The Dobbs is telling him, you know, going to this side or, you know, you're supposed to be over here, things like that. So I get maybe some of the hesitancy that coaches have maybe had to put him on the field all the time. But as a runner, he's definitely got some talent and kind of brings the the kind of fresh legs and, and juice that they could maybe use there. Yeah, he's one of their fastest players. Um, and, and you see that in practices, their GPS tracking data clocks that out. You almost start to think that, hey, maybe Kevin O'Connell should have gotten him involved a little sooner. And I understand um, we get, you know, as reporters covering this team every day, we get so close to it that when you hear the explanation for why a guy like Ty Chandler is not playing, you're like, okay, well, you know better, right? And But then you see him play a couple times and you're like, hey, this guy's got some talent that you see other teams scheme up roles for a guy like that a little more creatively or a little more uh, taking on a little bit more risk. And like, yeah, he might get you a false start or an illegal formation, but you know what? He might break you a 60-yard run right? because he can do that if if you mix it up on a jet sweep or something like that. And even though he took he took on a more um, a much larger role, obviously, in this game and show that he can handle it, he didn't have too many errors. And, and you can kind of trust the kid to grow a little bit with those opportunities. Um, it's explosive. It's it's the type of running that you saw Dalvin Cook kind of give them in that uh, home run ability, even though Ty probably doesn't have quite the elusiveness that peak Dalvin Cook had. Um, I want to see more of him. And I think with Madison in the concussion protocol, we might end up seeing more of him uh, in Denver. We sure probably will. Um, be curious to see what we see from the defense in Denver. Russell Wilson's playing a little bit better lately. They seem to be you know, not not fixed, but he's had better games this year. You've got Sean Payton there trying to trying to solve that thing, and then their defense still has some some playmakers. Seems like they're they're 
starting to kind of right their ship a little bit. There's, you know, they're still three and five, so they're not great, but that's an opportunity. And on the other side of the ball, the Vikings defense, you know, in this game holds the, holds the saints to 19. Um, you know, it's, that's a, that's a good number. They get the turnovers they need at the end. You know, the touchdowns the saints got were two pretty impressive catches. Um, I don't know what more Byron Murphy could have done on either of those plays. So kind of, they got to feel pretty good about where they're at and kind of the mixing of, you know, either, you know, five or more or three or less, like we've talked about before, like they, they really like, they very rarely just send their base and they're going to show you six or seven and it might be six and it might be three. And they, they, it's got to be confusing for a quarterback. Yeah. And they're playing really well. Um, they, they're tackling really well. They themselves went eight quarters, I believe as a defense without getting penalized until wow. that really weird, uh, Daniel Hunter hands to the face yeah. where it was his helmet that came yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> um, Daniel said after the game, the ref didn't know what to say to me. I, he's like, I walked over to the ref and the ref just was silent. He's like, he had no idea what to say. It's like, yeah, because you screwed up. He said, we want to uh, keep this game close. So we yeah. call the penalty. <laughs> um, but they're playing incredibly well. Hunter's got, he got his 11th sack in that game. They lose Jordan Hicks early in that game. And it doesn't matter because Ivan Pace, an undrafted rookie, an incredible find by this front office and development by this coaching staff, he steps in. Uh, and shows that he can be a full-time player, uh, barely leaving the field. The first play after Hicks left, it was Josh Metellus, actually, who replaced him in blitzes on third down over center. I mean, to have a safety, to be able to just say, hey, our safety, who's our nickel slot kind of hybrid guy, you know what? We just lost our team captain and play caller in the middle of the field. You go replace him. Um, it's incredible to to have that versatility. It, it's really what Brian Flores has preached since he got here. And you've seen it kind of come to, to fruition and to life here in moments like that, where you lose a key player like Jordan Hicks, and you still make a huge play with the other guy replacing him. Um, this defense is, I, I think I saw it was like top five in a lot of metrics in, in this last five and O stretch here. Um, they're playing great. And no, it's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not Justin Herbert. They're not playing amazing offenses right now um but they're building confidence and they believe that they can play with anybody and it's like see we you know coaching can be overblown it's this kind of like nebulous term but you see it so clearly with with floors and, and certainly o'connelly's last few games where they've had to make all these adjustments without jefferson and then cousins but like you see like the impact of coaching they don't have a ton of new personnel they don't have a lot of known personnel, but the defense is just so much different and better this year than it was last year. And that's not like even a knock on Donatel. That's more of just like what Flores brings to the table. Yeah, it is. It's it's a much more diverse scheme, much thicker playbook, much more modernized one, much more aggressive, sets the tempo. It, it, I think I heard Flores say once, you know, when a quarterback or when an offense is feeling that pressure, it limits their playbook quite a bit and what we have to worry about. I mean, that kind of an attack mentality that they bring and are executing, it's been successful even in some games here where you, you know, you can still manage to be within one score of the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Um, and Daniel Hunter had something to say that he didn't, he wasn't throwing dirt on Donatel necessarily, but it made me think about that. Um, after the game, I'd asked him just about seeing these young defenders like Pace, Metellus, these young guys um, underneath them grow and make these plays. And he said, you know, it's good to see these guys in roles, in positions that they were meant to be all along and finding out what they're good at. 
Um, I think that does say something about where they were at last year. And maybe that did sidetrack some of the development that we could have seen a a year ago. Yeah, Harrison Smith had some good things to say about Flores and O'Connell too. I mean, it just seems like they're in a good spot with all of that. And, you know, they were one and four at one point. I mean, they, this this season yeah. was going nowhere. This is just it's it's weird. I, I hope it's not Creed that's doing this because then we're gonna have to hear a lot more Creed. <laughs> but something's going on here, and I don't know. I mean, I just don't know where they go from here with with Dobbs if it comes crashing back to earth at some point. But they they've kind of got something going here that's hard to define. It is. It really is. That's why I wasn't going into this game. I didn't know what to think in terms of predicting. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast yeah. and um, I think I, I said I, I was going to pick them to win just because logic has been defied. I tried yes. to apply logic and say, yes, there's going to be a regression to the mean with Dobbs and a tough Saints defense will be able to contain him and all these things. And uh, and, and the Vikings are going to play more like they did at the beginning of the year and, and kind of level out. Um, and they just haven't. And it's because of that. I don't know if it's because of that locker room vibe, whatever it is, the culture that they talk about, but the players certainly buy into it. The coaches do. And, and they certainly believe there's something to the wind beneath their wings, I guess, that they've yes. got going on. Well, we'll talk about it more next week after that Sunday night game against Denver. We'll see if Kirk Cousins has tweeted again by then. He hasn't tweeted since uh, a while back. It was after the first Kirkless win. He tweeted, I didn't see anything on Sunday about let's go boys, way to go. So we'll see how he's doing at some point too. But Andrew, appreciate it as always. And we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. Appreciate Andrew hopping on. A little bit of a postscript to that. Speaking of the defense, old friend Anthony Barr back for the Vikings, um, giving them some linebacker depth with Jordan Hicks, looking like he'll be out for at least a little while injury suffered in that Saints game. So Anthony Barr back with the Vikings, hadn't been playing this year, was with Dallas last year, certainly a veteran. He was 2014 draft class, so this would be his 10th season in the NFL See if he's needed or just there for depth, for there for an emergency, but definitely someone with which a lot of his teammates still are familiar. I'm sure Harrison Smith and Neil Hunter, those guys all still have a lot of a lot to say about Anthony Barr. So we'll see if uh, he adds anything to that mix. They can certainly use the depth, though. It's poetry time on daily delivery with my good the best friend. time ever. Best time ever with my good friend Keith Rashad. I was musing to you before we begin here that the whimsy has returned. We talked about last year being the season of whimsy. The first five games of this season were certainly anything but whimsical. But now five wins in a row, 5-0 and without Justin Jefferson, 2-0 and without Kirk Cousins. They keep losing guys and they keep winning games. What's going on here? I think the key is just to trade everybody, right? Trade everybody. At least, you know, yeah, give everybody matter. a week off, right? Yeah. You know. Just lose a few more starters, and it's a Super Bowl team. I think the key is poetry, because since we started the poetry segment, they're awfully good. I guess that Zimmer year doesn't count. Kevin O'Connell certainly appreciates the poetry, I do think. So, um, Vaiku number one, if you'd be so kind. That is the difference, right? That's really the difference is that you could see Kevin O'Connell reading a book of poetry, and yeah. you 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 can just barely imagine Mike Zimmer knowing how to read. You, you could picture Mike Zimmer gritting his teeth through like 32 seconds of a poetry reading (laughs) or just trying to get through a blog post (laughs) just just (laughs) trying his best leaves of grass my okay go ahead (laughs) all right two different house sunshine blotted out by dark which one is real I mean 
I don't know if either one of them's probably the, the true reality, but I think they kind of got conservative in the second half. And the problem is, even though Dobbs is a running quarterback, when you have a big lead, you want to be able to run the ball, and they can't run the ball. Like it's it's obviously safer generally to keep it on the ground to be able to pick up some first downs and, and chew up a drive with a bunch of safe plays. But if they're going to be effective, they they just they can't do it by handing it off because it's always going to be second and it feels like it's going to be second and eight or worse if the other team knows they're going to run it. So I think the first half showed their potential and the second half showed that they're still a little bit afraid of, of truly trusting um, everybody that's in there right now. Well, I think that's part of it. And you also have to ask the, the question of do they, are they essentially going to revert to what we see pretty much every football regime and football coach do when they get to a certain point, right? That that at a certain point in a game, a team becomes uh, scared of losing as opposed to trying to win. Yeah. And so is that is that ultimately the explanation for what happened in that game that we just that they did just get conservative? Or do we have a situation where a guy is hot and you know maybe started to cool off a little bit the longer the game went and who is just going to trend in that direction right and you're, you're right this goofy team somehow is trying its best to make this season more whimsical than the last right, right? i can only imagine what next season will be like right right, right. it's i don't know what they're going to do next year but i'm ready for it but yeah it's i don't know what it is it's they're yeah they they I don't know which one of them is more is closer to the truth. I mean, certainly Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs is a career backup, right? Um, he does some things differently for them, obviously, than Kirk Cousins does, especially with running the ball. So you do wonder, like, at some point, is a team going to are they going to figure it out? Right? Is it's almost like a relief pitcher comes in in, a, in baseball and he like gets guys out for a few weeks because nobody has seen his stuff, and then you see his stuff and you're like, okay. This is how we beat this guy. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. He seems like he make he can he does enough with these with his arm and his legs to 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 feel like he's going to be at least decent. But that that first half he was on he was on a heater in that first half. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And then it all just petered out. It did. And I I think O'Connell took some of that on himself. And I don't know how much of that is a coach wanting to keep his players up and how much of it is him having some regret oh, over getting coach took a blame in a victory <laughs> oh how shocking that he it decided is, but... to throw himself in front of the bus in a game that they won wow that's I, wow I think has it ever happened before i think some of it's true though i think he probably has some self-doubt about how how he managed that game that it got kind of close at the end like you know the saints were one possession away a few different times from having a chance to tie it at least and you know had a had one more hail mary that was you know a pretty a pretty well thrown hail mary too to 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 try it at the very end after they had to punt one more time but i don't know i don't know what to expect all i know is you at least saw like the potential for this offense i think is that like the ceiling in that first half was way higher than you could have imagined when cousins went down right like you just imagine hey can they find someone that can not completely screw it up and and dobbs at least has the ability to do more than not screw it up Agreed. It's yeah. amazing. It's it's really amazing. Um, you know, let's hope he can do what Case Keenum and Randall Cunningham couldn't, and go all the way to the Super Bowl. Finish finish it off. Finish the job. 
Okay, Vaiku too, please. I want the Vikings to marry Brian Flores. <laughs> Put a ring on it. <laughs> it would be nice, right? Like, you know, the the problem is as as he gets better and better, right? Like they're the, the the always the worry in Minnesota is like as soon as a coach does well, is he gonna leave? And you know, Flores has already been a head coach. He's a really good defensive coach. Man, is he a good defensive coach? Yes. I sure would, I would sure like for him to be here for multiple years at least. Even if it was just two years and they had like the the Brian Flores protege in waiting after that, that would be fine with me because he deserves another chance to be a head coach. But man, that guy can coach some defense. Is there any way to make him and O'Connell co-head coaches? Give them both just a ton of money and just let them be yeah. co-head coaches. You know, the thing is, is I, I do like Kevin O'Connell. I do think he does have his hiccups, right? Yeah. There's sometimes been some time management stuff and, and what have you. That being said, he has demonstrated some real ability, especially yes. this season, that he could somehow bring whimsy to this season. Right. Is seemingly impossible, but he has done it. That being said... This doesn't happen without Brian Flores tightening that defense Correct. up. And yes. they were maybe not as good as they could have been early on in the season, but they seem to be getting better. Right? Yes. And they seem to be figuring a few things out. And it's a real risk and reward, right? But it's it seems to mostly work out. And, you know, when we get to the playoffs and there are actual good quarterbacks flinging the ball yeah. around, it's uh, likely going to be a different story. But in terms of building whimsy for a season that shouldn't be this way, it, he's, he has worked as many miracles and perhaps even more than O'Connell has. I agree. I mean, you think about, you know, their first two wins of the year, you know, which are important, even if they didn't feel important at the time, like Carolina and Chicago, like those are absolutely won by the defense. I think they had defensive touchdowns in both those games. They gave up only 13 points in each of those games. The defense was really good against San Francisco um, they were really good against the Packers. Like the offense are the offense has definitely picked it up kind of in concert with the defense, but I think the defense has been the better side of the ball for the majority of this season. And that was completely unexpected coming in. Absolutely. And we've talked about this before, both on on this segment and in real life for 35 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um that it, it has never seemed to sync up for this team. Right? Right. They've never had a good offense at the same time that they've had a good defense. It's usually right. been one or the other. Yeah. Right? And to what extent are we seeing the, at least the possibility of these things yep. merging together? It, it Maybe not necessarily just this season, but if you could keep Flores for another two seasons and O'Connell is able to – and Quasi reshapes the the offense right. a little bit more in the image of whatever they want. And they sign Jefferson, which still is inexplicable, right. inexplicable as to why they've done this <laughs> uh, to this right. point, right? We might have finally that marriage of two good sides of the ball at the same time. Yeah. They still need more talent on defense they just haven't invested in it in the draft but they're finding they're either finding guys and or developing guys and probably both where you know it hasn't been the high draft picks it's guys like josh metellus ivan pace jr um, and you know uh, cam bynum like guys like that who are not high draft picks maybe don't have the highest pedigree but are playing huge roles right now now if they could only figure out the special teams um vaiku three please 
another good win, but unsatisfactory. I hate Sean Payton. <laughs> so that's next, right? That's that's the uh, that's the Broncos. So it, it, when we were growing up, yep, the Bears were the team to hate. They yep. had the Super Bowl shuffle and Jim yep. McMahon and that amazing defense. They were the team to hate. Uh, you moved to the cities first, and I moved a couple of years after. Yep. At a point where the Packers were ascending, and they yes. became the team to hate. For sure. Yep. Right? Definitely. Somewhere along the line in the last 15 years or so, the Saints have become not necessarily the top of the list, but definitely in the top five, probably top three of teams that I've just hated. It wasn't like just somewhere. Hot... It was two, It was 2009. That was exactly when it happened. Well, yeah. Yes, it was. It was exactly. Yeah. Yes, you're right. That's exactly when it, with the stupid bounty gate. Yes. And when that team cheated its way to a victory yes. in the NFC championship game where it would have been the one Vikings team that would have won the Super Bowl. Yes. Because the Saints went on to beat a very lackluster Colts team. Yes. And, you know, we can think back to 98 and that 15 and one team, but they lost to a 14 and two team in the NFC championship game, which then subsequently lost to a 14 and two team in the Super Bowl. Yes. Right. So the idea that they would have won that if they had, if Gary Anderson had just made the field goal is right. maybe not as realistic as we want to believe. Sean Payton and that cheating team stole the Super Bowl of our lifetime. Yeah. They stole the one, which would have been so delicious with Brett Favre actually yes. winning it, right? Yes. Having then won as many Super Bowls for Minnesota as he did for Green Bay, yes. it would have been just immaculate, the yes. best thing ever. But instead and they stole it. They stole it. And Sean Payton was at the helm and he has just been a jerk ever since. And it was so great when he was doing the skull chant and they yes. got burned Got absolutely the Minneapolis miracle. Minneapolis yes. miracle. It was just the best thing ever. So beating the Saints feels really good. They are a top three hateable team in my book and have been for 15 years, at least top three. But it doesn't quite feel quite the same without that jerk in, in town, without that goofball, because yeah. beating him was was extra special. So they get to, maybe next week you can you can talk about that then because they get a chance to beat Sean Payton next Sunday. Well, maybe, but it's also kind of like you know, yeah. uh, you you break up with somebody and then uh, they start dating somebody again who's clearly a much less than you are, and yeah. so you're just like, uh, okay, all right, you <laughs> know, that, you, that's what you wanted. That's fine. You took a yeah. step down. <laughs> that's it's <laughs> all yours. You go right like, ahead. Really? That's you. Okay, that's what you wanted. Okay, Baiku four, please. A man's heart rises, resurrected by hope. I love you, Josh Dobbs. <laughs> Just a nice little love letter is what that was. A nice little way to end the uh, the Vaiku segment. He's like he's kind of fun to watch, more than kind of like he's he seems like he's there's a there's a certain like reciprocal energy going on where you know by the end I think people were even the Kirk Cousins doubters were coming around to the idea that he was a pretty good quarterback, that he was an above average quarterback who was playing at a top 10 quarterback level this year. That said, I think it's also always fun to see something new and it's fun to see something where it's different and he does it differently than Cousins did. And that's fun. It is fun. And he does, he does, he brings a different element. He brings an unpredictability that Kirk didn't have. Kirk could make plays 
when Absolutely. things broke down a little yes. bit, right? And again, he is a truly amazing quarterback, but there's, there's always a talk about him being on schedule or what, ha- and, right. and was not real good with the improvis- improvisation part of the game. And right. so to see somebody who is, who's injecting some energy, and early on in the season, right, we talked it would have been great if they had gone two and uh, 15. fifteen, yeah, and gotten there, gotten the quarterback, the franchise right? quarterback. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying Josh Dobbs is this, right? But he just really does bring a joyful, different element, and there's actually hope in the season again. There's actually, in, in how far, you, you know, we could ask the question: How much hope can you have? Right? Is it enough just to sneak in the playoffs? So we'd be happy with that. Could we aspire to something more, especially since we imagine or we believe, that despite what history tells us, that the team will get healthier? We know Jefferson's coming back yeah, at some, some point. point. Osborne's right. coming back at some point. That um, the offensive line is performing very well yeah. uh, in a way that we haven't seen for a very long time. How much hope can you have? And whatever that whatever that limit is for you or anybody else listening, at the very least, there is that, that hope now, right? That 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 you can aspire to something, that you can imagine them making the playoffs and at least making a little bit of noise, uh, because they've beaten good teams now, and we presume that they're going to get better because of their injury situation. Who would have imagined that five weeks ago? It's just a total narrative change from one and four to now and it's it's just it's bizarre because they're doing it without jefferson like i don't i don't understand exactly what's happening and maybe that's where whimsy comes into play yep whimsy and that denver game by the way suddenly doesn't look quite as uh appetizing on the schedule denver started the year terribly they've won three in a row though and uh, i believe wins over kansas city and buffalo in that mix the buffalo win was uh the monday night game an ugly Weird game. Denver wins it with a field goal in the final seconds. They got a second crack at that field goal after Buffalo had a penalty on the first try. So Denver wins that game. That's not an easy game anymore. That is a game against a team that is suddenly kind of getting weirdly hot, just like the Vikings. And we'll see which of these teams can stay hot in that game. Let's finish quickly with the cooler. It's in-season tournament time, baby. Wolves at Warriors tonight. Wolves just beat the Warriors two nights ago, but that was just a regular game. This is a regular game and a group play um, in-season tournament game. So Wolves are already 1-0 in the in-season tournament. Uh, beat San Antonio the other night. They've got this one at Golden State, then they've got a couple home games later in the season. We'll see. I don't know if this matters a whole lot, but it adds a little dimension. The court will look will look weird, will look kind of funny, and there will be a little bit extra at stake, I guess, uh, for, for the players. So in-season tournament game tonight, brand new thing. If you're not used to this, if you're wondering why does the court look like that, why do they keep talking about the in-season tournament, that is happening tonight for the Wolves. The Wild, meanwhile, headed to Sweden. Probably a good time for them to be in Sweden after how poorly they've been playing. They need to take something there, bring something back that hasn't been there so far this year. That'll do it for me today. Go for football talk coming up on Wednesday show with Randy Johnson. Plenty of other stuff coming up later this week. Should have probably Sarah McClellan sometime from Sweden talking wild and plenty of other stuff the rest of the week. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Back at it again tomorrow.